you are divine. Hello there, my beautiful authentic seekers, and welcome back to Divine Authenticity. Happy Monday or whatever day of the week it is for you and happy time zone, whatever time zone it is for you where you are right now. I hope you're having a fantastic start to your week, your day, your month, whatever. Like I said, whenever you're watching or watching, no, listening, there's no video for this episode. Uh... I'm having a fantastic day. And let me just tell you why I love starting our episodes with a little bit of just like chill chat time. And then of course, we'll get into today's topic. But I'm having a fantastic day because I'm actually home alone, which I feel like y'all already know the drill. If you've been a longtime listener, I have three cats, which they are all home. So I guess I'm never really home alone. I have three cats, but they're relatively quiet, except Meaty. Sometimes y'all hear him in the background of the podcast. He's a chatty boy. He's my Gemini. Uh, And then I have my husband that also works from home. So normally, though, he is always here. And I'm going to be real with y'all. I love the freedom of both of us being home. I love the fact that we can decide to work on one day or we can decide not to. I love the idea that we can take like weekend vacations and just not have to worry about going into an office on Monday, right? There are so many like benefits to working together, but there are also a lot of downsides. Like I feel like this might even be a topic that I would love to discuss in a future podcast episode, maybe bring him on as a guest about like working and building a business with your spouse. Because if you didn't know, and you're new here, my husband does work alongside me. He is the full-time editor for all of my YouTube content, some of the Patreon content, and he also handles all like brand relationships. So anytime like a sponsor wants to work with me, he is the brand manager. He does the stuff that I really have no interest in doing basically. So sometimes it's amazing because we have like such flexibility and freedom and that's definitely a huge benefit to working together. But I would openly admit, and I'm not sharing tea, like my husband very much knows this about me. We talk about it. We have to work through it sometimes. Uh, But I I really thrive alone, especially when I'm working, not necessarily when or when I'm creating, I should say, because I feel like, yes, my work is still work, but it is ultimately more creative or on the creative path. And I feel that when I'm alone, I'm just a more creative person. It's easier for me to tap into the flow of creativity when I feel like I'm being unobserved. And I don't know why I'm like this because like I was saying, we live in a four bedroom house. Like my husband literally has his office on a completely separate side of the house than where I am. And this house isn't huge. Like it's, I would say it's definitely not the biggest home I've ever lived in, but it's like perfect for the two of us. It's like just the perfect size. Um, I wouldn't say that it's like tiny and cozy necessarily. I feel like it's a good size, but I I, like there is space in this house for us to have time apart, but I just feel like it hits different. Y'all know, like when you got your eye jellies on, you've got your fucking spa music on and your fuzzy socks and your hot cup of coffee or tea or what have you. It's just, it hits different when you're alone. And honestly, this is going to get me back on my bullshit of being a morning, like early, early morning person again, because to add a little bit more to the pot today, uh, recently I've been kind of feeling just like I haven't been getting enough alone time and that's no one's fault, but my own truly, I have the opportunity to take the car out and leave the house whenever I want to. I have the opportunity to turn off my phone in the evening and tell my husband I need time by myself. Like there's no, like I said, I would love to make an episode where my husband and I actually cover this as a topic. Y'all loved him on last week's episode when he guested, I would love to talk about like running a business with your spouse and where I feel like both of us maybe have work to still do or things that we've had to learn as we go that maybe have been really difficult because it has not been a smooth sailing journey 
at all. It was, it's actually been a lot more difficult than I ever could have imagined to run a business with my significant other, but it's been like such a great container for healing at the same time. Um, in any case, I, many of y'all know I struggled with sleep for many, many, many years. I have a whole episode where I talked about how I really worked to overcome what I would consider now looking back. I feel like what I was dealing with really was insomnia. And I did technically have a psychiatrist tell me that it was insomnia once, but I did not like or trust this uh, psychiatrist at all. She was literally the worst psychiatrist I've ever seen. And she left me with like a plate full of diagnoses without much information to actually help me. And that we don't even need to talk about that. That is a whole other topic for a whole other time. My point to this is I feel like over the time that I really work to heal my ability to sleep like a quote unquote normal sleeper, I at one point was waking up for like a month long. I would get up at like 6, 6.30, sometimes 7 a.m. every single day. And this was awesome. Don't get me wrong. I think it was so good for me. But I will also say that since I've kind of really trained myself to continuously be a morning person, I don't wake up as early as I used to. I get up always before 9am or like sometimes right at 9am on the dot. That's like, I don't sleep in past 9am. It's like physically impossible for me. But I still consider that being a morning person when you're used to waking up at noon two, 3pm sometimes 9am is a godsend. So I am okay with that, especially in the winter months where it's darker, it's drearier out, we're dealing with a lot more rain and cloudy weather, it's harder to get up in the morning. Um, I've been really okay letting myself have those extra couple of hours in the morning and not judging myself for it. But recently, as I've kind of had this time alone today, and I've had time to really process through a lot of my own feelings, because I also do that really well on my own alone as well. Uh, <laughs> this, this might sound crazy, but if you're, you're an air moon, okay, if you are an Aquarius moon, Gemini moon, or Libra moon, hear me out for a second, especially Gemini moons. I'm a Gemini moon. I work through my emotions the best when I can speak them out loud. This is why cognitive behavioral therapy actually works extremely well for me. That does not work well for every single person. There are so many different kinds of therapy that could better suit somebody else. But I feel like air moons, because that is where our emotions are. And please remember, I'm not a therapist. Do not take this information and be like, oh, this is the only way I can ever be helped because I'm a Gemini moon. I just feel like for me, it's something that has always really been a strong benefit to me. But I also find that I'm really good at working through my own emotions. If I have the space to talk to myself and I have a hard time doing that when somebody else is home. Not that like my husband knows we, and I think I've talked about this before on the podcast too, that I'll tell him sometimes if I'm like, Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss having a lot of like, especially anxious feelings, I will tell him I need to go into my office and literally just talk to myself for like 30 minutes. And I'm going to come out and feel so much better. And it's not like I'm talking to somebody else or I'm hearing voices or anything like that. It's really just me verbalizing the problems that are inside my head. And 
I honestly will often come up with solutions. It's kind of crazy how well it works. And for me, I found that like today, I really have taken the time this morning to kind of do that because I'm home alone. I'm taking advantage of the opportunity and just working through a lot of my emotional discomfort that some stuff I didn't even realize I was holding. And it's been also, it's the first day of Pisces season for me. Uh, I'm filming or recording this rather on a Saturday, which I think it's the 18th. It's the first day of Pisces season. Let me just tell you, she came in like an emotional fucking wrecking ball today. Um, we're still going to be in Pisces season when this episode goes out. So uh, it just, I feel like I got hit right in my feelings. So uh, it's been really good this morning because I feel like I've like processed through a lot of emotion. And I also just want to say for anybody that's listening to this and you're like, wow, I can just process through shit on my own. Don't get me wrong. I think that everybody is capable of being their own best healer. However, I think that the only reason I'm able to do that so well for myself is because I have worked with therapists, because I have worked with trained professionals, coaches, and also I feel like I've probably read over a hundred self-help books. Like I feel that I have worked so hard to mentally be in a place where I can be there for myself without judgment, with full self-love and self-compassion that I'm able to process through things and on my own. And if I feel like I can't, I know when it's time to go and get help and seek a different professional to help me. And I don't think that that's everybody's path. I don't think that everybody, I don't think that everybody cannot do it. I think you can, but I do think it takes a level of training and working with somebody that can help you to do that with yourself before just diving headfirst in and possibly uncovering some shit that you were not ready to process on your own. So I just want to kind of leave you with a little disclaimer on that. Don't just like take the things that I'm saying and be like, oh yeah, Chloe said you can just talk to yourself for a half hour and you're going to feel so much better because I think that that works for me because it has been something that I have worked honestly, probably the last like eight years <laughs> I have worked on my mental health in one way or another and have gotten to the place where I can do that. So just putting that out there for anybody that's listening to this, that like, you know, be sure that you're talking to somebody if you don't feel like you're ready for that. But I also want to give you the confidence that you can become that if you're willing to work at it. I really do believe that. I think that we as humans have a lot more power than we ever give ourselves credit for. I do think that we are our own best healers and oftentimes our intuition knows what's best before anybody else does. So I feel like I've had this like really emotional yet opening morning where I've just had time to like be at my altar, be with myself and also just know that I'm going completely undisturbed. Nobody else is home. That's going to come and knock on my door for any reason and it just feels nice. It feels really nice to have like this level of alone. And it feels, I feel like at my core, I really am like a sovereign being. I think we all are, but some of us are, we crave it more than others. I feel like, I mean, my birth chart even talks about this, like in my birth chart there, I don't know exactly what it is. I would have to look at the pattern that like has given me this information, which great app for astrology. Uh, the pattern talks about this, that like, I really am on the path of self-discovery and being here for my own development. And it doesn't mean that I can't take friends or people with me along on the journey, but at the end of the day, I can go in alone if I have to. And I talk to y'all about this all the time that I have no problem seeing when respect stops being served at the table and I have no problem eating by myself. I really feel like my Saturn return in particular has given me the ability to just really be open to being a sovereign being, saying what I mean, meaning what I say, and also being really, 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 really honest with how I'm feeling. The topic at hand today, I want to talk to you about basically the five things that I really believe have been helping me 
either have helped me transform my relationship with food, or it has actually helped me to really up-level myself. Not, I don't want to say up-level because to me in my personal journey, it is an up-level for me, but it's not because I think I'm better or above other people. It's that for my own personal journey, this is an up level in my life. It's how I choose to see it for me. It is a stepping stone for me in my like version of what success looks like to me. So before we dive into all of those five things, of course, y'all already know, I got to hit you with a disclaimer. Please know that yes, I am in school to be a holistic nutritionist with a special emphasis on autoimmune conditions and diseases. Actually, I think it's autoimmune diseases. I don't know why my brain always wants to say conditions. I believe the actual certificate is diseases. Um, and with that, yes, I am in school for that. Yes, your girl is almost graduated. I will be finishing within the next like month, two months. It's at my own pace, but I'm really wanting to finish it out within the next month. I'm saying two months just in case, you know, <laughs> but really in my mind, I'm graduating within the next month. Um, so your girl is about to be graduated, but just because I know this information and some things have worked for me, that does not make me your nutritionist. It does not make me your holistic nutritionist. My approach to the way that I see the world and what has worked for me may not be the way that it's going to work for you. This is me by no means giving you medical advice. I literally am not certified to give medical advice. And even with my certificate and like I'm doing this like through an accredited school, it still does not give me the right to give you medical advice. So just be aware of that, that I'm going to tell you some things that worked for me. But as we were just talking about, everything in life is nuanced. And it is complex. Everybody is going to need a different pathway forward. And that's actually something that in my program that I have done through school, we have really been like drilled on how you cannot approach any one person the same. Like if I actually went into practice and decided to be a nutritionist at an office, you cannot approach any one patient the same way. Every patient is a new, like, basically a blank canvas that you have to work with and like make things to help them on the individual level. It's like a very whole body approach to wellness. And that's honestly why I went the holistic route instead of just like the base level normal route is because in holistic health, it is a whole body approach. It takes into factor your psychological background, your physical background, are there any current stressors in your life? And then also any dietary needs, restrictions, or changes, any existing conditions that you might have, anything that you might be predisposed to, be it because of your genes or other factors. And honestly, I think it is like the way that we in the world should all be operating because I think everybody needs a singular focused plan instead of, oh, hey, this worked for one person, so it's definitely going to work for you. So just keep that in mind as you listen to the things that I'm going to talk about today. These are just things that I really feel as somebody that has struggled on both ends of the spectrum with disordered eating, which also trigger warning disordered eating is probably going to be discussed today. So if that is a topic that really triggers you, please meet me back on the next episode next week where we won't be discussing this. Um, I talk a lot about disordered eating because it's a huge part of what I went through in my life. I was anorexic at one point in my life and I have also been a recovering binge eater for actually, I don't really feel like I binge eat at all anymore. I would say that I am definitely in remission, but I feel that when it comes to both of those disordered ways of eating, there's just so much to unpack there. And these are the five things that I really feel like have given me a new opportunity to really heal my relationship with food, because that has been the thing. So disclaimers aside, I also want to say that when it comes to healing from disordered eating, actually, I feel like one of the points we're really going to dive into this. So I'll wait until we hit that. <laughs> so the first thing of these five and these are in no particular order. There's two that do kind of go together though. So I'm going to talk about them first. So 
your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This first point is something that if you're somebody that really struggles with like weights and binge eating or you're really concerned about your body weights, this is going to be a hard thing to hear. But I want you to just really feel it out, really hear me before you turn the podcast off and tell me that I'm full of crap, okay? The reason that I say that is because especially if you're somebody that like your issues with food stem from a deep self-hatred of your body, this is going to be something that until you finally get it, If it works for you, it's not going to make sense. And trust me when I tell you I've done every diet under the sun. Okay. I have, I I don't even want to start listing them. I've listed them in past episodes. You can go back and listen to those if you want to, but I've done every diet under the sun. And I finally had this breaking point where I really was just like, I don't even care what it takes anymore. I just want to feel good in my body. I want to feel good in my body. And I want a healthy relationship with food was really where I was at. I want to feel good in my body. I want a healthy relationship with food. And that became my version of success. And so I was like, I'll do anything to get there, no matter what it takes. And One of the things I heard at that time period when I was going through this, and I'd heard it multiple times before, I had talked about it even before, but somehow in the back of my mind, I had such a deep self-loathing of myself and my body and the excess weight I was carrying that I would be like, oh yeah, haha, this thing that I'm going to tell you totally works and it will totally work for me. But really in the back of my mind, it was still a conscious effort to lose weight. And the thing that I believe, this is my literal number one, and it was the hardest thing to embody. But once I did, it has completely transformed my life. Like I feel like a different person. I live differently. I think differently. It was the thing that improved my relationship with myself, with my body and with food. And that is don't make foods good or bad. Make food neutral because now hear me out. I know, but Chloe, there are foods that just like, aren't good for you. Hear me out. There are foods that are more nutritionally dense. And then there are foods that are not, that does not make them inherently good or inherently bad. And how many of you oh, that's bad for me, can't have that. Or, oh, I'm going to be bad today because I'm going to have this slice of cake. Oh, that's, you are constantly priming your mind with information and beliefs about yourself that you suddenly become bad because you looked at a cake sideways, okay? And it's such a deep psychological mind fuck that you have to get past. And there's so much in this. This is like the biggest one of all five. And I wanted to give it first because it is the thing that will transform your life and your relationship with food if you take this very seriously. So committing to making food neutral, I'm going to tell you kind of like the pitfalls of this, but I'm also going to tell you how it changed my life and why, and why I think that it was the most important. So the number one thing that nobody's going to want to hear about this is in order to make food neutral, if you're somebody that really struggles and has an unhealthy relationship with food, you're probably going to gain weight. 
And this was something that I resisted for a very, 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 very long time because of that fact alone. I was willing to let myself get more and more and more mentally unwell around food because I was afraid to gain more weight because I was already weighing in at over 200 pounds. And for me, I had such a longstanding history with my weight, meaning that I was good or bad, or I was a worthy person or not, that gaining a few extra pounds was the difference between me loving myself and not loving myself on a given day. And like, how fucked up does that sound? Like, I didn't feel that way about other people. This isn't like a fat phobic towards other people. I had a lot of internalized shame and fat phobia towards myself. And I still think that sometimes I struggle with this. I am not perfect, but I'm on the road to recovery. And this thing is really what transformed that for me. And also, I'm sorry if you hear any noises. I'm dog sitting this weekend and my friend's dog is here. He just came into the room to say hello to me. Hi, Smokey. You're such a good boy. Hi. So I was really afraid to gain weight. And that was the main reason that I couldn't get past this. It was, I can't make food neutral because if I allow myself to just eat whatever I want, whenever I want, I'm going to gain weight. And I was really scared of that. But when I finally got to my breaking point to my wits end, and I was like, look, I cannot keep doing this to myself mentally. And I feel like diets don't work. I feel like there's no perfect eating plan for me, but I'm in this like binge restrict cycle and I want to end it. This was one of the first pieces of information that I learned about was making food neutral and not allowing food to control you. And so I started to do that. I, in the beginning, and I'm talking like this has been like two or three years of recovery time where I have worked on this. I want to say probably since like, it's been about three years. I want to say since about 2020, I really took this to the hilt and told myself, you know, we're throwing the scale in the trash. I'm not going to worry about my weight. I'm just going to let myself eat and I'm going to practice not letting myself get caught on a shame spiral every time I eat. And so I would let myself eat whatever I wanted. And this meant if I wanted cookies, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I had cookies for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. If I wanted to eat a family-sized bag of chips, I ate a family-sized bag of chips. If I wanted, and you're going to think that I'm insane, but the magic happened it didn't take very long. I want to say that, yes, I have been healing from this for, a, it's been about three years, but food got very boring very quickly because the minute food was no longer exciting, this might sound crazy to anybody who's never experienced this feeling, but somebody that has binged gets it. The minute that food became neutral and no longer exciting to my like psyche, to my brain, it was like the most boring thing in the world. It's like if you're somebody that gets like stimulated from music like I do, um, I'll find a song that I like love so much that it like creates a pleasure sensory experience for me that I'll play the song on repeat until the song no longer stimulates me anymore. And that's exactly what happened with food. The minute I let myself have whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted, and I committed to silencing the voice inside my head that tried to put shame on me for it was literally the crowning glory moment of food no longer controls me. And I know it sounds counterintuitive and completely counterproductive, and yes, I did gain weight. I went from being like, I want to say 183 pounds to about 215. So I gained quite a bit of weight in my mind. Um, but my mental health was worth that to me. My mental health was worth gaining, what, 10, 20, 35-ish pounds, about 30 pounds. It was worth that to me. Do I think that that's everyone's experience, that they're all you're all going to gain 30 pounds? No, I don't think it has to be like that. I feel like it can actually be like, I don't even want to say like, oh, you could gain no weight because I know what it feels like to be afraid to gain weight. And 
the minute I put the shame down and I started to make food neutral and I worked on just changing my mind because I really feel like 95% of the battle is mental. The physical is not really a huge part of it. And if you can work with your mind to actually have compassion for the part of yourself that feels ugly, ashamed, or like you need to be like banished from society for gaining however much weight, that's the part of you that wants to be set with. That is the part of you that needs to be seen and needs to be honored. And I feel like in doing this work, yes, I gained 30 pounds, but I'm free. I'm mentally free from this hell. I don't binge anymore. And I still feel like I am in recovery, not necessarily because I'm afraid that I'll binge. I tend to, um, I tend to emotionally eat, however, and I would say that that is like my current thing that I'm working with right now, but it's not because I have made food like this amazing thing or this out of reach thing, or I can't have this, or this is good and this is bad. And I'm a good person if I ate a salad today and I'm a bad person if I ate cake today, it's not that constant battle anymore. It's that food is a stimulant in a way, like it does provide a pleasurable experience. And when you're feeling sad, sometimes that ooey gooey bowl of pasta is the best thing. And I feel like even that is an okay coping mechanism until it's no longer serving you. And I feel like I'm in a place where it's not even that I put food in a good or bad category. It's that... At the end of the day, I feel like I still use food to decompress. And that is what I am currently working on now is like creating an environment with myself where I don't need to decompress from my day because my day is not stressful. And that is another topic that I want to get into in the future, like working on my hormone health and bringing my cortisol levels down. And I'm still very much working on that now, so I'm not really ready to discuss it, but that's kind of where I am now with on my journey. And I do feel that food does not control me because I have made it neutral. And the one other thing I want to say on that before we move on is that food becomes very, very, very boring when you take away its power to be exciting and when you make food neither good nor bad, but it's neutral, it becomes very boring. And that can be very hurtful if you are somebody like myself in the past that has used food as an exciting tool to gain happiness or to gain joy or a pleasurable experience. That can be the thing that when it becomes boring, you're now out of a coping mechanism and you need to find something to replace that. So that's like my second piece to go with this is if you're somebody that you want to put this into action and make food neutral for you because you're tired of spiraling on it, you have to be ready with a handful of new coping mechanisms to try out because we don't just defeat our coping mechanisms. We heal them or grow out of them because they don't serve us anymore, but you, you need a new one to replace it. And this is like, honestly, what they tell people that go through like Alcoholics Anonymous or, um, uh, or like if you're trying to quit smoking, it's so much easier if you have something to replace that thing, because it makes it to where you're not reliant on that thing. Now you have a healthier coping mechanism to turn to. So that's the one thing I want to say is like food is going to become very boring and you're going to need a coping mechanism that is healthier that can fill the space. So this is where I would recommend really learning more about yourself and what you actually enjoy doing as a pastime. Because for me, food was my pastime. Food was that thing that that stop gap and when I got to a neutral place and it became really boring and really unfulfilling, I had to find something to replace that. And I honestly think that I'm still very much working on that too. 
I'm again, I don't even feel like I'm, I'm still feel like I'm in recovery from this, even though I don't binge, I don't even feel like I gain weight anymore. I feel like I've pretty well kept it pretty steady or even lost weight since then. But it's something that mentally, when I start to feel a certain type of way, I will start to reach and it's not that food again is good or bad. It's that I will reach for it as a pleasurable experience. And that is what I'm trying to work on, not letting that be a coping mechanism for me. So I hope that that first tip makes sense. I feel like I could probably talk on just that one on an entire episode, like my journey to making food neutral, but I want to move on because we're already 45 minutes into this episode and I have so much more wisdom to give you on this topic. So the next thing I want to say is practicing adding and not subtracting. So for me, my approach to healing my relationship with food was very much like an anti diet. I did not want to diet. I wanted to just eat. And this also kind of runs me into, I've talked about it a few times now, but I was vegan for about five years and like hardcore vegan. I was not like, Oh yeah, I'll eat some cheese. If somebody gave it to me, like, nah, I was like, you put cheese on this, make it again. <laughs> I was very much hardcore. Like never did I have like a cheat meal or a slip up. Like I was very hardcore vegan for five years. And, uh, I feel like that a conversation that I feel like some people are not always ready to have is that actually did more mental damage to me than I ever could have seen coming because I was so concerned about having this like perfectly curated diet because of like the ethical reasons that I was choosing for my life at the time that I felt like if I slipped up on that, I was also a bad person. And it was all about like subtracting things, taking things out of your diet to cause less harm. And I actually feel like this adding and not subtracting, it was a combination of deciding to leave the vegan lifestyle behind. And that mostly came from learning about autoimmune diseases. And don't get me wrong, I think there are some people that truly, truly thrive on a diet that is fully plant-based vegan, that is like whole foods based. I think people can really thrive. Uh, this is not me making a case for like veganism doesn't work. I think it actually really can. And I'm the first person to tell you, I'm too lazy for that shit. Like in order to get all of the nutrients that you need on a whole foods plant-based diet, you have to be so mindful and so ready to pay attention to every little thing. And mentally, when it comes to food, I had such a fucked up way of thinking that having that level of obsession, even like just to build the routine, exhausting. And on top of that, bringing autoimmune diseases into it with the knowledge that I have now, again, I'm not saying that it can't be done. I guarantee you there are people that do it. This is not me trying to make an anti-vegan case. I think vegans are awesome. I would punch somebody in the throat for a vegan. Um, I fully support like what anybody wants to do for themselves and their body. But for me, I found that in order for me to work on lowering my cortisol levels and help myself, there were so many foods that I was used to having on the vegan diet that, or like lifestyle that I would no longer be able to have. And I was just not willing. It's so hard to be gluten-free and vegan. And it was just the second I added eggs back to my diet, it was like a world's difference. And I feel like when it comes to adding and not subtracting, even mentally, this was helpful to me to not feel like I was so restricted and like I could literally eat nothing but fucking beans and kale every day and like tofu. Um, I felt like, and don't get me wrong, there are so many ways to cook plants. Truly, I feel like anybody that says they don't like tofu, unless it's for like legitimate medical reasons, is full of shit. You can make tofu taste like anything you want to. And I know that from making vegan food for many years. But 
it, it was just immensely easier. It was immensely easier to just add other foods back into my diet. And I feel that that was the first thing was adding eggs back into my diet, adding fish back into my diet. Those dramatically changed how I felt in my body and also being able to cut back on gluten because gluten for somebody that struggles with, um, autoimmune diseases. Not every person that struggles is gluten intolerant. I just find that I'm a little, I'm not even gluten intolerant. I'm gluten sensitive. I don't have like a full blown intolerance. I just can't eat a ton and ton and ton of it, or it starts to really irritate my body and I get like it more inflamed. And so I felt like when I started to add things back into my diet, that made all the difference mentally for me. But not even just that veganism completely aside when it comes to adding food, let's say I like to give this example because I think it really like makes the most sense. Let's say you love top ramen. Okay. I love top ramen. Top ramen is fucking delicious. It's a damn delight. And I don't know why people are like, that's cheap ass food. Yeah, it is cheap and it's delicious. It's delicious. What do we know about it though? It's really high in sodium. So no, it's not like the most nutritionally dense food that you could eat, but it's not a bad food. It's just not very nutritionally dense. Now, obviously there's room for nuance here. If you're somebody that struggles with like, let's say diabetes or something that you need to keep your sodium in check, obviously that's something maybe you would can want to consider a little harder before eating it. Please make room for yourself and your own nutritional needs. But what I'm saying is that with that ramen, let's say you really want it. So you decide to have it. The way that you can actually make this work for you is add in the tofu, add in an egg, add in some broccoli, add in some kale, some spinach, really bulk this ramen up with nutritionally dense items, because this is going to give you the nutrient, the nutrients that your body desperately needs and craves, but you're also letting yourself have the food that you really want. There's actually a nutritionist on TikTok. I can't remember her name, but she's a beautiful woman that I really, really love the content that I've seen her make. And it's very, um, she talks a lot about like this topic in particular and how, she would be like, Oh, I really want to eat a cookie. Right. But instead of just letting herself have a cookie by itself, where that really isn't going to do a ton for her body nutritionally. Yeah. It's going to make her mentally maybe feel some type of way or just do some good for the soul. Or, you know, it's going to be like a source of carbs, right? It's going to give her some kind of fuel. It's not that we don't want to let ourselves have that cookie, but let's pair the cookie with some Greek yogurt and some berries. And let's make this a more complex meal that is going to give you the nutrients that your body wants. So that's really what it is with the adding and not subtracting is don't think about, oh, I can't have chips. I can't have, um, cookies. I can't have cake. I can't have bread. Obviously, like I said, make room for the nuance, whatever your dietary needs are, but don't sit and just cut everything out of your diet. Again, unless like maybe you're a little inflamed and you need to cut back on the gluten or the dairy or something. But like what I'm really getting at is it's not that you can't ever have a baked good. It's not that you can't ever eat top ramen because you really love top ramen. It's that you need to make choices that actually add, or maybe like your thing is Mexican food. Okay. You love burritos. I'm re I really want to drill this in because I think it could actually change people's lives. Uh, maybe you love Mexican food. You love getting a burrito like every single week, instead of just getting a bean and rice burrito or a bean and rice chicken or whatever, get the bean and rice chicken, but get some vegetables in it or make yourself some steamed broccoli at home on the side and have half of the burrito with the broccoli and tell yourself I can have the other half of that burrito if I'm still hungry, but right now I'm going to commit to eating this plate first and then I can have that if I want it or I can save it for later, right? Those are just like little tips, tricks, and hacks that can 
dramatically change your relationship with food and letting yourself have foods that maybe you feel like you're just not allowed to have because you're quote unquote out of control with them. And this is why I put this thing second to making food neutral because I used to tell myself that I couldn't have chips in the house because me and chips were out of control together. Okay. We had a love affair and it was out of control. I could eat a family size bag of Lay's potato chips every single night, bitch. I could eat the party size every single night in bed watching my favorite TV show. And that was like a normal routine for me, getting a bag of chips every single day and finishing it every single day, which, you know, one day of doing that, sure. But over time, it becomes this ingrained habit that doesn't really serve my body. But instead of telling myself I could never eat a fucking chip again or never have them in my house again because they are too much for me to handle. I made food neutral. And now if I want chips, I pour out, you know, maybe one cup of hot Cheetos into a bowl and I'll have my favorite hot Cheetos, but I'll also have a little bowl of like fruit with it too. And I'll sit and I'll watch my TV with my two little snacks. Okay. So that's really what I'm getting at is when you make food neutral, you don't demonize the food that you think you can't have anymore. And when you add, but you do not subtract foods, you still get to eat the things that you love, but within the bounds of making them healthier options, not good options or bad options, just more nutrient dense options that are going to fuel your body in a way that it wants to be fueled. So the next thing, this one, I want to put major warnings on because this will not work for everybody. And if you have a disordered way of eating, this can definitely put you back in a disordered way of thinking. And so honestly, if that's you, I really want you to like skip ahead five minutes on this podcast and don't even listen to what I'm about to say, because I had to heal my relationship with food before I could even consider this being an option for me. And this is something that really I feel like works for me specifically. I don't think it's for everyone. Truly, I don't. I do not think this is something that every single person on the planet would benefit from. Um, but something that has really helped me just to work on healing my body, my gut, my hormones is intermittent fasting. And I know what you're thinking. It's another fad, blah, blah, blah. But something that I have really come to, or like come around to as I've practiced intermittent fasting and if you don't know what that is, it's basically having a window of time where you eat in your day and a window of time where you don't. This actually is quite natural to the human body because you don't eat when you sleep. So your body naturally fasts for however many hours a night you sleep. But I extend this. I do what is called a 16-8, where I fast for about 16 hours a day, and then I have an eight-hour eating window. My eight-hour eating window is usually from noon to 8 p.m., uh, that's like the time period where I will break my fast around noon. I will close up the kitchen at 8 PM and most of the hours that I'm fasting, I'm sleeping. So it's not really a challenge for me, but I have actually found this to work wonders for me because I used to wake up every single night at like 3 AM, not always on the dot. I know it's like the witching hour, but I would wake up and have night sweats and I know that this can be like hormonal problems. There are so many things that this is linked to. Please do not try to diagnose me. I talked to my own doctor. We've already been working on this stuff. Like don't, don't come at me with your theories. Okay. The, my, like my body and my health are not open to question or scrutiny right now. Um, or ever actually that is between me and my doctor. The only reason I'm telling you this is because this is something that I really do believe helped me. And with that, uh, basically we concluded with like healthy levels, like my body, aside from being inflamed, having some high cortisol, uh, and having like hormonal, you know, I, I deal with polycystic ovarian syndrome. So we're working to balance out those hormones now, but basically the conclusion was that I was also eating so late into the evening previously that my body would be working overtime while I was sleeping to digest the food that I had eaten. And that would actually in turn heat up my body and cause me to night sweat. So 
basically I decided to start intermittent fasting as a means to give my body a break. And I have found that not only do I feel like I have more energy when I intermittent fast, I also don't feel like it's hard for me. Like I used to be somebody that right when I woke up, I was hungry like an hour after wake up. And now I don't even get hungry until noon. And I'm like, I have energy in the day. I don't start the day slow. Uh, it did take a little bit of adjusting, but not much. And I honestly feel like it's like, this might be TMI, but like, that's what you signed up for on divine authenticity, authentic content. Um, I used to real true story. Okay. I used to poop like five to six times a day. And don't get me wrong, I would rather it be out than in always. And it wasn't like I had like diarrhea, like they were super normal poops. Like it wasn't like they were bad or anything looked off about them. But it was just so many times per day. And I found that when I started intermittent fasting, I became very regular. Like it was like one to two times a day instead of multiple, multiple. And then like, I would literally get like hemorrhoids because I would be pooping so much and also like wiping so much that I would get like, sometimes I would get like a rash on my butt. Like there was all kinds of horrible side effects with that. And I used to chalk it up to, I drank too much caffeine. So my body was just like speed everything up. But I actually think that it was also how much I was consuming and how frequently I was consuming. So I really believe that intermittent fasting was the thing that helped me. It also has helped me to give my body a rest, especially when it comes to like my blood sugar, because with hormone imbalances, not everybody that deals with hormonal issues, um, has a blood sugar imbalance, but many people do many, especially if you're a PCOS girly, okay. Polycystic ovarian syndrome, you are potentially obviously check with your doctor, you are potentially insulin resistant. And so spiking your blood sugar is constantly spiking your hormones. And it's, it causes just so much imbalance to your system that giving it a break actually can be really helpful because you're not spiking your insulin over those 18 hours. But I will say, I do think it's really, or 16 hours, excuse me. I do think it's really important though, to break your fast really appropriately. Like you don't want to break your fast at that 16 hour mark and eat a bunch of carbs and sugar, because that's just going to immediately spike your insulin. You want to, you know, eat fat, protein, uh, and fiber. That's always like my goal with breaking my fast is fat, protein, fiber, and don't get me wrong. I love carbs. I am not a low carb girly. I am not. I love carbs. Pasta and me, we are married. Okay. Um, I love pasta. I love rice. I am a carb girly. I am never going to be a low carb bitch, but I do find that when I break my fast, I like to do it more gently with foods that are not high in carbohydrates because I don't want to spike my insulin first thing in the day. Um, so I think that that's like an important thing if you're somebody that struggles hormonally, but again, remember, I'm not a doctor, just take the information I'm giving and do with it what you will. Um, now the last two things are a little bit more on like the psychological or spiritual level of this. Those are the first three are like the really practical things. Now the next one, this is probably going to be like, I don't know. It's not silly. I think it's a really serious part of the journey of healing your relationship with food, healing your body and working with your body is loving yourself really is the only answer because something that I found with working with myself is I carried so much shame. I talked to you earlier in the episode about how I had so much shame around being overweight, quote unquote, overweight. Like, what does that even mean? I had so much shame about excess fat on my body. I had so much shame about how I looked, how people perceived me. Um, people like even to this day, something that I'm still learning to work through is like, I have really large breasts. Like that is just a fact. They are larger than the average person. And it's the first thing that family in particular always comment on. And I'm actually really sensitive about it. I really don't appreciate when people comment about my breasts. It really fucking bothers me actually. And I'm trying to learn to love my body and my breasts where they are right now. And 
not take everything so personally, because though those are not okay comments to be made about my body by anyone, they are something that I feel like I only really feel shame about because I have deeply internalized those comments. When, when somebody says anything about you, even if you don't deserve it and they should know better, it actually never says anything about you. Like, yes, my breasts are large. That is a fact that I'm currently living with. However, does that mean that I need to be sexualized? No. Does that mean that I'm ugly? No. Does that mean that there's something wrong or disproportionate about my body? No. Does it mean that I'm not beautiful? No. And I think for me, I've had to really work towards loving my breasts, my body, myself, and not harboring so much shame around the shape of my body, especially as somebody that is disabled. I have so many scars on my body, on my hips in particular, from having surgery because I was born with hip and knee dysplasia. And I was... This is going to sound so brutal, but like I've been carved into so many times that I have like brutal scars from surgery in the 90s. They're not cute scars the way that they do surgery now where scars are so small and like they sew them up differently. I have like some serious battle scars on my body and I don't really feel shame about those necessarily, but I feel like sometimes because of the way that I carry myself, like I have a limp when I walk, like those are things that I have had to learn to love about myself and treat them like they are something that makes me unique instead of something that is meant to be shamed or looked at as being othered. And I don't know why I'm getting misty eyed while talking about this shit, but like, my point is, is that when you are retraining your body, how to work with food and have a healthy relationship, you're going to learn so much about how much shame you actually carry around yourself and around food and how many things have been ingrained in you possibly about your body, how you look and how you maybe even were shamed around food and so I just wanted to put that in here as one of these five things is that the real journey actually isn't even about the food. It is about a journey to loving yourself because I love myself and respect myself enough to take care of myself and make changes that actually support me. And literally I, I like let myself gain weight, even though I was afraid of it because I loved myself more than what other people would say or think about me or loved myself more than a desired pant size. And I hope this is coming across the way that I'm intending it to, because the last thing I want is to ever leave people feeling like I'm like fat shaming or fat phobic or like, I myself am somebody that has dealt with so much shame around that. And I'm just one girl really working to heal those parts of myself, whether I'm a skinny legend doing it or not. And I say skinny legend as a joke. I don't even really like the word skinny. I feel like it's something that's like, it's okay. Like, I don't know. We could go into like a whole tangent on words and how we use them and how we give them power. But my point is is love really is the only answer. And as you're going through this process, loving yourself is going to be the hardest, but most beautiful part of the journey. And it's the thing that's actually going to heal you. And the last thing that's more on the spiritual side of things, I do not have an affiliate link. I really wish I did. I feel like the, as much as I give this fucking app that I love to death, the promotion that I do, they should be paying me to be honest. That's how much I believe in the shit that they make. Um, superhuman. <laughs> we talk about it on like every podcast episode. This app literally changed my life. It completely redefined the way that I looked at myself, the way I carried myself, the way I treated myself. I feel like most of the work that I have put into myself specifically, yes, it has been a collection of these past three years, especially when it comes to my body, but 
it's really, 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 really gotten kicked into high gear since like August of last year. And that was around the time that I started listening to the Superhuman app. If y'all have been longtime listeners, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, this is the app that it's Superhuman. It just, it gave me a corner of the internet that I didn't even know I needed. I, it is a paid app, but they do have a two week free trial. I highly encourage anybody that has never tried it. Do the two week free trial. It is worth the free trial. Do the two week free trial and, um, do the two week free trial and see if it doesn't change something like can't don't be afraid to like I'm going to do this and then I'll cancel it if it doesn't work because that was my attitude I thought for sure at the end of the two weeks I would cancel it I have been a how many months August September October November December January February I'm going on almost eight months of being a superhuman subscriber because it's an app that just truly helped me to see things about myself and understand my world differently. And especially my relationship with my body, my relationship with food. Uh, there are meditations in there. They're like walking meditations, cooking meditations, grocery shopping meditations, where you could be out grocery shopping with your AirPod in just like one or maybe both. And She'll like guide you. Mimi Bouchard will guide you through making positive choices for your body. And it's the same with like, um, walking meditation. She'll walk you through like walking as your future self with the desired body and compassion and love that you want to have for yourself. And like, I'm literally getting misty eyed and like getting the chills because I believe in this shit so wholeheartedly. It transformed my life so much that I literally get emotional about it. I can't wait. Um, I'm supposed to actually be on the Mimi Bouchard podcast talking about my story. Uh, I want to say next month we have like it set up for me to be interviewed. And I'm very excited to tell my super story because it. Y'all know I literally give this app free promotion all the time because it literally changed my life. And that's not the only thing I want to say here, though. It's not just the app. Like, I totally get it. If you do not have money to spend like that on the app, which, like I said, please do the free trial. Like, do yourself a service. Do the free trial. But... um if you can't commit to purchasing the app, I totally respect that. I know that finances are fucking crazy right now on the planet. The other thing I want to say is create a vision for yourself. Ask yourself, what does success look like to you? And not just like monetary success. What does it look like to feel at home in your body? What is, how would you eat? How would you carry yourself? What kind of clothes would you wear? What does it feel like or look like for you to feel successful in that area of your life? Because I got to tell you, my shit looks chuggy and crunchy and fucking wellness focused and movement focused. Like I can see that version of myself that is the version of me that I know I will become. I'm not her yet. I am not the version of Chloe Taylor that is the, like I am because I am every version of me that I ever will be right now. I know that sounds weird, but that really is how it works. I know I'm closer to her than I've ever been, but I don't feel like I'm fully there. I'm still on the journey, but when you create that vision and it is something that lights you up so much that you want to become her or him or they, I say her, I think it's like a natural response because I'm talking about myself, but feel free to put anything in there, any, um, identity in there. But when you feel her, see her and know who you're becoming, that transformation only gets easier because you start to make choices that run in accordance with that person. And like I said, I do want to make a continuation of this series talking a little bit more about like lowering my, my, uh, stress hormone cortisol and working with my like cycle, working with getting my period back, working with balancing my hormones, like all of that kind of goes hand in hand with the stuff that I've talked to you about today. So if you want that episode, let me know about it in the section below or on the Apple reviews. Um, 
Speaking of which, I know we're doing this a little bit late in the episode. Usually I intro with this, but, uh, if you did not know the podcast, if you're on Spotify, you can actually leave a comment. There's like a thing that says episode Q and a, it says, how did you enjoy the episode? And you can leave, uh, like you can leave a little comment or leave something, uh, on Apple. You can leave a review. My goal for 2023 is to reach a million people on my podcast. Like I want to see a million downloads or listens rather currently just for reference. If any of y'all are curious, we're at 182 K plays. So we're, I would say like, this is all time. I wonder if I could actually change that for what my ranking for 2023 is. I probably can. Maybe I'll come at you next episode with some updated statistics, but my goal was to overall hit a million and we're at 182,000, but we've had this podcast for four years and that is all time plays over or three years. That's all time plays for three years. So you know, I feel like we can do it. I believe in us. And that is one of the best ways you can support this podcast is by commenting in the Q and a section. If you're on Spotify, uh, or on Apple, leaving a review or sharing the podcast with somebody that you think this episode or any of the episodes would really benefit. So please, 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 from my whole heart, if you could do that for me, it would really make a difference. And I just want to give a quick shout out to uh, one of y'all on the last episode, which was the Valentine's Day special. So this shout out comes from Spotify and it's from Adian or Audian. I'm really sorry if I pronounced it wrong. You said lovely episode as always you too. I personally have come to have more of a fondness for Valentine's Day due to hitting the love your damn self era. So hell yeah, love your damn self. I love that for you. I really want to like in 2024, I want to create a bunch of Valentine's Day content because I love Valentine's Day and I want to teach people during Valentine's Day, especially if you're single or even if you're in a relationship or you hate the Hallmark holiday. I really want to teach people how to make that shit about you and not about consumerism and how to take that day back and take your own power back because it's, it can be beautiful if you let it be beautiful. But in any case, thank you so much for that comment. I appreciate it. I do take comments from Apple as well. And anywhere that you can interact with the podcast, I'm not sure if like Google has a ranking system or, you know, these are things I need to look into wherever my podcast is. It's available on so many platforms that I'm not actually sure if I have other reviews out there and I'm just not even aware of them. So I'm going to look into that before the next episode. And thank you so much for tuning in. Like I said, please share this episode with somebody if you feel like they would enjoy it, if you feel like it would help them. This is an episode that I feel like I really had to muster some courage to record because it's something that I always fear that people are going to misconstrue my words and eating and food are such sensitive topics. But I also feel like I have so much knowledge in this area because it's an area that I'm fascinated by and I like literally am putting myself through school because I'm so interested in it. And I feel like the knowledge that I have could really help someone and really change someone's perspective and their life. So if you know anybody that feels like they need it, please definitely send it to them. And, um, if you want to support the podcast, please, like I said, leave a review. Um, there's also more information down below, other ways to support me, especially my Patreon. That's a great way to do it. If you're wanting to support, get some extra content for yourself. And I will talk to all of you next Monday. I love you so much. Please do not forget when you stand on your own authenticity, you empower everyone around you to do the same. And I'll talk to you again real soon. Bye.